Hey guys, welcome to another episode of Latino Without Borders. I'm Christina. I'm Eliza. And this week we have a special person on the podcast, Amaris Modesto. Yeah, so I actually met her through work and she's absolutely amazing. She's a native New Yorker and she's currently the VP of this of digital branding for a very established PR firm, so her background was quite impressive. And on top of that, I just thought she was so interesting um, when I first met her because we started chatting. Um, we even mentioned about my love for Mexico City, and that led her to chat about how she actually lived in Mexico City for a little bit. Um, she also did some work in Brazil on top of that. And yeah, she's just someone who's very inspiring. And you know, like the intro mentions, she has a ton of passion projects. And on top of that, she has a lot of side hustles. And you know, it's so hard to manage that with a full time job. So she goes into how she manages that and how she just stays afloat. Mm -hmm. I was really impressed by all the different side projects that she has. And a lot of it is very creative, which I wasn't expecting. Um, she is an artist and everything she does, she mentioned that she wants it to help the community out in some way or takes what's happening right now and recreates it through art. Yeah, she also talks about um, when she was in Mexico City, she actually did an exhibit and she mm -hmm. got a lot of help within the community to highlight some serious issues that were occurring during the time she was there. So yeah, it was I loved having her. She's Dominican yeah, she's from the Dominican. Bronx, so it was awesome to have. I love when I have like a fellow like Bronx person in the house. Yeah. So it was nice. She actually um she grew up one I like to say one train stop away from me. So you know definitely close to home. I think we related with a lot of stuff. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um. She gives great advice, and I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. So here's Amadis. <laughs> Born in the Dominican Republic? No, I was born here, okay. uh, but I'm very Dominican. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, original, born and raised New Yorker uh -huh. from uptown. Moved up further and further uptown, so was born in the Heights, moved up to Inwood, and my family lives in Kingsbridge in the Bronx now, and I live in Harlem. So. Oh, always, so you're like all always uptown? Always uptown, yeah. <laughs> Inching our way further and further uptown. So. Okay, awesome. <laughs> but yeah, we're super excited to have her today. She's gonna chat about a lot of fun things. Um, I know a lot of us listening to this podcast have side hustles or want to get into it, passion projects, so forth. So she's gonna highlight some of hers and how she manages, you know, full time career with making sure she squeezes in some time for what she loves to do. So I would love to just, I guess, start from the beginning. Like you said, you do work in social media. Um, did you go to college? What did you study? How is it like? Yeah, so I um, did go to college. I went to school in Boston, um, and I studied political science and communication, so I was a double major. Um, but I would say at that time, I definitely didn't know that I would be working in PR or doing any kind of digital marketing. I probably didn't even really, like I had some understanding of what marketing was from being like in a communications program, but um, at my first first thing I thought I would do would be a lawyer. <laughs> I think um, we all... You all? Yeah. yeah, I went through that too. I was like, I really want to be a lawyer. And then like... I was you did a like, lot of debating and stuff in high school. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but then um, communication is just so much so, fun. I know. And the thing is, I, I... Both of my parents went to college here. Um, they were both born in Dominican Republic. And I felt like a sense of... Um, you know, like you want to do a little bit better than they did and, and sort of, you know, continue the, the success and whatever. So they both had their, got their masters here as well. And I never, 
I haven't gotten my master's. <laughs> um, so I, I started to like veer off the path of like doing the thing, going to be a lawyer and, and, and being, you know, this, you know, excellent person, um, but really fell into marketing coming out of a few experiences. So I worked in finance actually right out of college uh, as an analyst at a private bank. And there I worked in like the operations function. So I was doing a lot of like understanding how to make the business more efficient for the people who were in the front office. So like bankers, investment bankers, like these types of people. Um, and so that was interesting to me. And then I started to learn a little bit about how uh, developers uh, who we were working with to help create those efficiencies did the work that they do. So specifically like, front and back end like website developers. I found that really, their work was really interesting and I had to interface with them all the time. The team that I was working with when I was in banking was in Mumbai in India. So there was like a cultural thing that we had to, like a, a cultural um, understanding <laughs> that I had to develop quickly and I was super young, um, right out of school. And then what did you also, find? What are some examples? What do you mean by the cultural? Um, I, so, I mean, just anywhere in the world. Like, I've, mm -hmm. I've worked in other countries. So, mm -hmm. I mean, Mexico City or Mexico, Brazil, and, and places I think everywhere you work, um, there's just a different, under, like, set of rules. <laughs> mm -hmm. I think here there's a, there's a perspective that the more you work, the more productive you are. Mm -hmm. um, and I think at least from a development perspective, working with the, the people that I worked with in Mumbai, it was very like technical. Like we have tasks one through 20 to do. Here's our status on each of these things. It's also a function of the type of work that the people that I was working with were doing. Um, but yeah, I mean, culturally, I would say like even going to Mexico and the, the sense there wasn't like you had to overwork to be productive. It was more community oriented. It was more like, let's all go out to lunch together. Let's <laughs> do things together. And in Brazil, probably more similar to, to Mexico, both Latin America. Working with the, the, that team, I got really into like the development part of the job and functional specifications and all this stuff that I had no idea, like programming language and things that I was unfamiliar with, but I was really like curious about. Um, so I left that job and it was a really cushy job for coming out of college, like very cushy. It struck a chord with my family because they were like, why are you leaving this job exactly? Are you sure this is the right move? That seems risky. And I was like, no, I need to go. I did my time. And if I did it here and I had success here so early on, then I can replicate this success somewhere else and continue my career. So it took some serious convincing um, and still some of my family is like bitter about it, which is very ironic. Um, and is it because you were leaving like a finance industry? To yeah, that's not, and it, it didn't have to be the industry in that oh, case. Okay. It, was, it was more like, yeah, yeah, you're living this, you're, you're, you left this job with like status and pay and all of the things that would lead to your, you know, like you're starting off great. So why are you leaving this job? And mm -hmm. so, I mean, if I had a great job in 
healthcare as a doctor or as a lawyer, like the things we started talking about at the beginning, it's like I think they would be equally as proud or happy. Um, so it was a matter of like, all right, I recognize that this is something that I need to do for myself and that I don't want to be here. I was there for three years though, um, and I left. And then I started learning more about the development aspects of the, the job that I had that I liked. So I got really into website development um, as well as graphic design. So I taught myself the full Adobe Creative Suite. I bought books. I was taking some classes here and there. Um, there was this really cool space actually in Brooklyn that doesn't exist anymore, but it's called Third Ward. And it was like a warehouse type space where you could learn everything from jewelry making to literally to web design. So did you do this during your free time? Like were you working full time and then going to these classes after work? Well, at that point I quit that job okay. and I was straight up doing that, but I was also simultaneously teaching web and graphic design to high school students. So I got these like arts, um, like teaching artist gigs, um, which are common in the city for people who literally go and teach their craft at different public schools. So I was doing that in a few public schools where I was literally like learning it, but then teaching it at the same time. And I also talked to some adult learners in that time. So this is over the course of like a few years. I also um, worked with a friend that had opened a small boutique in um, downtown uh, Manhattan, the Lower East Side, and she needed help from like someone with a creative mind. <laughs> um, that could help her like conceptualize certain things for her brand. And so I sat side by side with her as basically like a creative director, but I was also supporting a lot of like the daily functions of the store just because it was like a two woman show. Mm -hmm. That was really cool for some time and fun. I was like partying crazy all over the Lower East Side daily, but then also like I was living this, I'm starting the hustle mentality of like, teaching, learning, working as a creative director, and like all of it, all at once, and partying. So, so was that your plan then, to quit a full-time job and not go straight into another full-time job? Because I feel like a lot of people would want to take this risk yeah. that you're doing, because they want to, they realize what they actually like, but that's such a, again, like, something that your family wouldn't agree on. Exactly. Did you plan on taking this little break in between and doing these creative things? Was that the plan all along? It was, or no? that's a really good question. It was a plan to take some form of a break because I was okay. like, I wouldn't say burned out it was so early in my career, but I was also like, I need to figure out what's next. And I wasn't giving myself the time. It's really, for anybody who's tried to like find a job while you're at a job, it's really hard. In, a, in an ideal setting, you transition from one thing to the next to the next to the next. But sometimes it actually is really beneficial to just take a moment to yourself to figure out what's next. And if it's a few months of wusa and meditation, people do all types of ways, but I do think that you need to ground yourself in what is it that I want to do? What drives my, you know, like passion and what, what am I passionate about and what do I want to contribute to the world, which is, you know, or, or give room for something else. So I think that a few years of doing that, like sort of freelance and hopping around and doing a few things was giving myself the room to figure out and learn other things. I did save 
Um, I was already living, I lived at home for a year after I graduated college, but I was also working at that job. So I had some savings, but I was also making little money here and there. And I have to say that I was, I hit periods during that time where I was freelance, where I was straight up broke. <laughs> like, I have to figure out how to get back home on the train. I need to figure out, like, what I'm going to cook so I can, like, you know, stretch it out for a longer period of time. It was not easy. So I don't, I have a lot of, like, like weird um, uh, pain from that experience as well as growth. Like, I can reflect back on it now, but when I was going through it, I was like, this is over. Like, just to give you one little example, I was, like, <laughs> in my, like, partying around the Lower East Side, working in the Lower East Side, doing whatever, and I also got my first tattoo then, which was, like, I guess a lot of people get tattoos in their teens. I was like, oh, you know, do it when I'm out of college or whatever. So I did my first tattoo, um, and I was, like... Yeah, like, I was just, like, bad. Like, I was, like, <laughs> getting into trouble left and right. And I won't get into specifics about that. But it was a time where I was, like, oh, my God, I screwed up my whole <laughs> setup. Like, here I've worked my whole life. I've taken all these steps to get to where I am. And I've just, like, given it all up. It's not easy. And I don't talk to anybody that, like, I have friends that are freelance and or starting their own businesses, or have their own successful businesses now, and I haven't heard from any one of them that they have an easy time with it. How do you maintain, like, your passion, and how do you just, like, keep going, to be honest? Because it sounds like you made a lot of sacrifices for this, yeah. and I know that in itself can be a reason to keep going, but what motivated you? Yeah, that's a good question. So I think... What motivates me every day is this question of what, for who, for what, and for whom am I doing what I'm doing? So that's like, you know, the freelance thing, just taking you through a little more through the journey, because fast forward to now, there's so much more that makes up my side hustles and passions. Um, I ended up getting, working back in, or working in marketing through a great mentor and contact um, that I have to this day that I've known for forever. Um, but she got me secure a job in marketing, so I did that job. And for me, getting the first job, getting a job back in corporate, even though yeah. it was very different from my last corporate thing, was like a relief because I was like, okay, I know that I'm you getting a steady a pay, salary. <laughs> I'm, getting, I'm getting a steady, steady salary. Like, oh, it's nice to show up to an office and talk yeah. to people and be around like this environment I was appreciating all the things that I didn't appreciate when I was in finance the first time so um and was this like a different culture like where people were different culture like, it's more like yeah it's like more yeah. creative it was more casual and I was like mm -hmm. I had never seen any other work environment besides a super corporate yeah. like financial services environment so I was like oh this is kind of cool like I mm -hmm. like this I could paint my nails like I mean I was to the point where I was like, first of all, my hair was always straight. Oh, wow. Um, like, I never felt like I could wear it any other way than straight. 
we've had yeah, curly and straight hair lows. <laughs> no, for Which sure. Which is a whole other episode. Because I feel um, like it could be seen, it's unfortunate, but it can be seen as unprofessional, unprofessional, messy, you know, like you didn't clean up before you yeah, came to work. Totally. And then this, like you can see my nails are burgundy or dark or whatever. Like I couldn't wear anything other than like a clear or like a very sheer pink or something very muted like the, all this stuff was like basically like not so deliberately but pretty deliberately written into the policy um, like you couldn't wear a skirt and not wear like stockings because that was unprofessional so even if it's like dead of summer you want to wear a skirt or a dress you need to wear yeah. a stocking those spaces aren't for us so they're not yeah. really trying to make it inclusive <laughs> if you know what I mean in so many ways I think culturally and then you know, from like just straight up, like back back in marketing, I was and oh, oh was working freelance prior to to working this marketing job. I was also starting to explore and experiment with little businesses because I was working with a friend that had a business and does I think whatever like a lot meeting a lot of people that were in this space, and so I started making um, like fragrances out of things that I would. Um, yeah, collect when I traveled. So I was not traveling a lot, but I did travel a little bit during my time that I was like my time off, my freelance time. Um, so I, when I'd go somewhere, I'd bottle like something. So it'd be like a bottle of some water from a spring. And then I used like the spring water from this trip that I went to, to Barbados um, to create a room spray. And so it was the base for a room spray that I would mix in with essential oils. And, wow. Yeah. And were, so were you making these um, sprays and then selling them? Yeah. Where were so you selling them at? I was, first I was doing them at home for mm -hmm. myself and I was making like, you know, a peppermint spray, which actually helps with like, um, clearing if you have any like, like insects or whatever, like stuff like that. So, so I was making like home remedies for things and, oh my and researching them. And then a friend of mine... Um, who's a designer, fashion designer, but also very, like, business-oriented, was like, girl, <laughs> you need to start selling these products. And so he actually, like, spearheaded the, the idea that I could start selling products. So I was making candles, lip glosses, um, spray, room sprays, body oils, and like, all kinds of stuff like that. I just want that, I just want to emphasize, and this is why you just started your corporate job, so you're also yeah. working full-time, yep. doing this, like, new side project. You okay. know what's funny is that the guy that I interviewed with at the first marketing job that I had, I, um, he, he was a connection to a friend, but I was like, oh my god, and he was really interested, and in some of the, like, stuff that I was doing, and I, I was sharing the stuff in interviews, and so I brought him, like, a candle. I was, like, not even trying to, like, <laughs> like I was, like, in retrospect, it's, like, are right, you allowed to do yeah. that? But he was, like, oh, my God, yeah. But, but it's, like, I started introducing my second corporate job. The biggest, the key difference between the first one was, like, the first one I didn't feel like I could be myself. Um, but the second one, I was, like, I'm going to start introducing introducing little parts of what I do into the work and so like what I do outside of work yeah. yeah so I was like talking about the scent making there was some relevance because we had this um glass company that was our client and they manufacture like glass products it's like a b2b company but they were so hyped because I was already using glass for all of my products so I could like 
blend that experience. When you work in PR, any little bit of experience that you could lend to like help with a client relationship, people like gag over. So they were like, oh, like, oh, you can, oh, wow, you should like tell this client about the glasses, the glass that you use, and the, the packaging and blah, blah, blah. So that worked out. And then I was also shipping product and I had a shipping client. Like, so, so it was just like all intertwining. It was yeah, all like, intertwining. And then I was able to kind of leverage the experience that I was having and, and bring it into the work that I was doing. And um, and were you making a profit from these candles? Yeah. Because I know I talk to some people and they're yeah. like, I'm scared to do it because I don't know. Like, Just all my, do it. All my ingredients are organic. I don't want to price it too high and people won't buy it. You know, all that scary kind of stuff. Yeah. So that's nice. So you were actually like making a profit from yeah. these. Wow. Yeah. And do you still do it right now? I still do it. So the way it works now is like I don't pre-make stuff as much. Although I do like I'll make obviously candles and stuff that you actually have to let <laughs> dry yeah. and... and but for the most part, what I do now is an experience. It's called Sense the Experience. And it takes people through, an inter- it's an interactive experience. It takes people through the process of creating a scent inspired by memory um, or reflection. So we'll start with a thought question. So we'll say something like, um, what kind of world do you want to live in? So like, can you think of some answers to that? <laughs> and what kind of world do you want to live in? Where's an example of I don't know, when I when I think of that, I think of the beach. I don't know. Like, I just think the beach, palm mm-hmm. trees, everyone's nice, like, in little skirts. Like, <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, so, that, is that, like, what some of the answers? That There's no, say? like, yeah, okay. answers. But people have all kinds of, like, worlds that they imagine mm-hmm. that they would want to yeah. create. And so the idea is, like, you take a question like that, and it could be any question that's just one of many, um, and you reflect on that for a little bit. And so you write a response, you can draw a response, you can respond to it and then um you take that response and you align it to different aromas that we have um in the room so i have everything from like earthy scents to flowery to you know what have you spicy and those the reason being that memory is the sense that's most closely linked um to to sense to scent sorry scent and memory are the two most closely so linked So you senses. smell a perfume that you used to wear when you were younger, memories come back. Right. Has that ever happened know, to you? Is yeah. there one in particular that I don't remember? Dream, like, that dream. Oh, <laughs> for real? Probably like Britney Spears perfume. Okay, <laughs> Hilton perfume. So the Versace like blue jeans like thing that used to come in the, uh, I have a lot. Yeah. I smell those clean and, and clear. Like the minute I smell clean and clear, you know I think of I mean. me at 11 years old, like getting ready for my first day of school, like right away. Like it literally just connects to it. I love it. I I have this thing when I go to DR, and like as soon as I land on the plane, I know exactly what DR smells like to me. It smells like coffee and like humidity. Yeah. <laughs> like a really when you walk the runway, there's yep. just like a smell <laughs> to it. And I smell it, and I know instantly that I'm there. There's no other place that I've traveled to that I land, and I'm like, oh, this is, I don't, I could probably tell where I am with my eyes closed if I didn't know where I was laying. Like, there's stuff that I haven't even explored that I feel like um, would be nice. Like, I'm doing one next week with a group of teachers, which I've never done before, but these teachers, um, the school is, like, it's in the hood in Queens, and it's been um, a lot, they've had... Uh, a couple cases where students have have uh, been killed, murdered. This is actually really oh, dark, man. but 
they've been murdered like for different reasons in their community and, and a couple of the, them were students that go to school. So the teachers have been going through it as, as have the students, but they wanted to do something specific to the teachers to give them this like opportunity to explore like their feelings around that and then create something. So we're doing that. So that's nice too because it's not yeah. only like an activity to do, it can be something that just like brings people together, you know, yeah, makes them talk. feel comfortable, chat about yeah. it. That's okay. the objective. Like it's actually to, to bring art to people. <laughs> it's to bring it's to like demystify this process of being a creative. So I'm an artist, like a multimedia artist paint. I make sense, that's part of my art. I do graphic design, do web design sound installation like you do everything this is yeah she does literally everything and yeah. i think the part that's like how, how do you mind. manage all of this because you yeah. you have a high position you're a vice president yeah. at um a large media agency so yeah. all these side i mean that already i feel like it's would insane. take up someone's entire time i know and then you have all these other side projects so yeah. how do you do this all yeah. it's a lot i don't i try not to do it all at once <laughs> um so and then also you want like you know you live in Manhattan, social life Totally. Like that. It's yeah, difficult. it's difficult. I have a dog. <laughs> like, there's like all oh kinds of... Oh my god. She has the yeah. cutest dog. I'm going to show you it after. <laughs> We're working on making him a newborn son. Oh, He's yes. so cute. <laughs> He's like, and then that's buddy. another project. His name is Bad yeah. Bunny. Bad Bunny. Well, bad, bad Bunny. Bunny, yeah. <laughs> bad Bunny. Like, not bad. Like, Bad Bunny. Oh, yeah. I'm here bunny. thinking of, like, the artist. His name is no. Bunny. Yeah, but he, we call him He's Bad, a bad Bunny. Boy. Is he a bad boy? Is that why? Yeah. Oh, but He's also God. so adorable. He's, like, mostly so sweet. Oh. Um, what type of dog is it? Pomeranian. Oh. He seems yeah. like he would be, like, sassy. Like, yeah. You know, like, he's not bad. He just I has some they, flair to him. They have that look because he's very, like, fancy looking. Yeah. But he's super sweet and adorable. But oh, my anyway. God. I think that, um, to your question about managing it, it's not easy, and, um, I find ways, like, where I can to, like, create those connections, like I was saying, bring some of what I do into the work that I do at work, so, um, I do a lot of, like, political work, so getting, you know, people out right now actively in the streets to drive Trump and Pence out of office, um, I think it's been a priority since they were put into office um, and it continues to be and there's all these things about impeachment and whether that will happen or not um, but regardless I think we need to have like a massive outpouring um, and, and and really demonstrate the way people did in Puerto Rico the way people have done in Hong Kong and other parts of the world recently um, to just be like no we're not about this. So a lot of I do a lot of work strategically and then also practically by getting out and being out in the streets around that. But I think um, part of the the overlap there with my work is like some people at work know that I do that, and mm. so I've had like articles that I've written about that um, and protests and standing, you know, up for what you believe in and things that sort of complement some of the vision of like a previous agency that I worked for um and I've written those things into like our agency blog you know essentially so I think um where you know the visibility obviously is is great but it's yeah. also to a new to a different audience than like you know an audience that would read like the Huffington Post or whatever maybe not maybe some overlap but um the idea being that if I can create that connection I do 
And then also, if I can take the opportunity to create with out of the opportunities that I have, like I was in um, Mexico City, like you were saying earlier, for work um, for some time, and it was going to be like intense. Like I was going to be meeting a new team, working with a new team, being in a new country, being in a new country, like that I've never been to before. I'd never been to Mexico mm-hmm. City before. I went there last year for work, um, and I was spending significant time there. So I was like, what am I going to do with my time? besides this and so what I did is I actually worked on an art project that I knew I would have to contain within the front the time frame that I was there and I didn't know at first what it was going to be but it long story short came together as a project um around the child the migrant children separated from their families at the border and I did that in Mexico so it was it ended up being um, a visual um, art piece. I did seven pieces and they were all like collage and they featured some of like quotes and, and the actual like images of some of the kids. I don't know if you guys remember this, but last year, last summer, a lot of the kids that were separated, um, the ones, there were some that were brought to New York City, specifically Harlem. And whenever they were pictured by media, they were always wearing these handmade masks that they would make in the, you know, foster care that they were staying in. So they were like, if you remember as a kid, like drawing in masks and cutting them out and making like drawing a string around them and putting them on your face, like this kind of thing, like it was that, it was inspired by that. So the name of the show was Enmascarados and it was like, you know, masks and there was also some sound installation. So when the sound, sounds of inside the concentration camps, aka detention centers, came out. You could hear the kids like screaming for their parents, like looking for their families. Like it was heartbreaking, but I incorporated like that sound together, like mixed into some music, into the sound, so that when you came and experienced the show, which is what this all culminated into a show, um, you could experience not only the sounds, but also like the visuals of the masked children. And so um, that was dope because I just kind of piggybacked on a trip that I was already taking for work. Um, I got studio space while I was in Mexico, and I was like, all right, in between time, I'm going to do this. And then they were, I was working with amazing, like, creatives. Like, I would say, bar none, <laughs> in my experience, like, working with designers and, cre- you know, creatives in different places. And also in a new city yeah. that you've never been in, so it's just already you know, moving to a new place. It's always like, I don't have anyone there. I don't have friends. So only your friends would be your coworkers. Yeah. So this kind of just breaks you out into a whole other, a whole yeah, other community. Totally. And then what I was going to say about that is like, I was meeting my coworkers and they were, they were getting to know who I was. And yeah. so they were seeing like, okay, you're also an artist and you're doing this stuff. So I had them lend a lot of help into like making the show a reality. So everything from helping me with like, getting the word out to people locally. I'm working with PR people in Mexico, so I was like, perfect. Um, There was that. There was, like, helping me translate certain things. Like, I'm fluent in Spanish and English, but I think there's nuances. I'm Dominican, like, Mexican, like, Spanish, so getting it really right for the audience. They helped with, like, making my... Somebody made my flyer for the, like, show. Oh, my God, these are so nice. 
It was like <laughs> insane. But that also speaks to yeah. culture. I think this is I was just about culture. to say because she mentioned how it's community based. So yeah. I feel like they were more than happy to help you with all yeah. this. Yeah, people were like really throwing in like in ways that I could never. I was like, are you serious? Like very, very helpful in that process. But I also think when you open up to people in general, you get that that like I don't know like a yeah. part of the more you share about who you are you never know like who's who can mm-hmm. you know play a role in that what recommendation do you give to someone who's like kind of nervous to ask for help or doesn't even know where to start because I can imagine you were like even though like Mexico's full of like you know people who are in the community they and talent and especially like it's so colorful there so I'm pretty oh. sure they were more than happy to help you with this but yeah what kind of advice would you give to someone who's like I don't know how to ask for help um, it's hard sometimes. Like, I think you want to feel like you accomplish the thing that you are doing, especially if it's something for a passion. You want to be like, oh, I did it on my own. But, but the more I work, I realize that there's so much more power in building with community. So I would say, like, step out of your comfort zone and maybe start with, like, Maybe if your thing is not talking about something, like some people aren't good at talking about what they do, send an email, like try a different format, send a DM, like we're in social media, like... Just shoot your shot, right? Send, send, try a format that maybe you might feel more comfortable with as as by way of introduction, because I do think that big or great ideas become better ideas when you collaborate. We went to Mexico City, so we have a little experience in Mexico City, but as someone growing up in the United States and an American, um, going to Mexico Dominican, sorry. I don't call myself American. Dominican, sorry. <laughs> I actually, That's another, <laughs> not to cut you, Christina, but yeah. I would love to know why. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I just never have. I grew mm-hmm. up, like, with Dominican parents who were yeah. actually born in Dominican Republic, mm-hmm. and when I was, when I, we talked about identity, it was always like, you're Dominican, so when people started adding like oh no but you're Dominican American like I feel like there's something that happens with people in Dominican Republic when they call you that um that minimizes your the Dominican part Mm -hmm. and then I feel like there's something there's a lot of things that are shameful to me about like American (laughs) as a title so and and so I just don't but when you and, I, and I grew up culturally Dominican, like yeah. very, very, very much so. Like, I think even saying like you grew up in, I mean, I'm from the Bronx, in, I'm from in Washington Heights. Yeah, exactly. In the Dominican Republic, and then going to Dominican. Republic I think it definitely summer. depends on the community you're raised in, because I don't like <laughs> just me too. I was I grew up in the Bronx, you know, born and raised, and the community I was raised in. I wouldn't say it's traditionally American community. I wasn't raised in the suburbs. I wasn't, you know, I was raised with purely Hispanics in a building. You know, every single floor, different families, and I feel like I don't know if that was similar for you, but yeah. it's like, yeah, I'm not growing up. I don't have the white picket fence. You know, I'm not growing up with the apple pie yeah. and all of that. So I feel like, you know, I can, I can get, I get that. I mean, I, I say I'm American, but I can totally get why someone wouldn't, especially yeah. someone in Europe. Meanwhile, well, I, yeah. I'm Ecuadorian. Both my parents are Ecuadorian, but I grew up in the suburbs. I grew up with all white people. So, <laughs> so when I go to Ecuador, yourself? well, I consider myself American Latina. Mm. Um, I just say Latina. Yeah. I don't really say Ecuadorian. I don't think I, I, I would feel weird just be like I'm Ecuadorian. I just don't connect to it a hundred percent. And then when I go to Ecuador, if they said I, I'm Ecuadorian, like no, you're American. You're. I mean, it's just 
they see me as a Mary. But do you think that this so, is a negative connotation when they say it? Um, I don't think so. Not in Ecuador. I think I don't think so. They are they I think in Ecuador if you're from America you're like a higher class or something like that. But is it um, higher class in like in a shady way or is it because I feel like there is there's probably that's the a good same point. there's also yeah. the same there's probably the same perception in DR that you're doing better, but I also think that doesn't come necessarily with a good I feel like sometimes it may um come as like, oh like you're Mar- like you're a little less Dominican if that yeah. makes sense. I don't, or less I don't like it when they would if they only if if they just say I'm American and not Ecuadorian because then I'm like, oh why is it because the way I speak Spanish? Am I not like my accent? Is it that? Or yeah, it's hard. I mean, I think it's also difficult when like when I go to Europe, I say I'm American, but then they're like, no, but where are you really from? I'm like, oh, oh my family's that. from Ecuador. So then I'm like, wait, should I be saying Ecuadorian? And then when <laughs> I say Ecuadorian to my Latino friends, they're like, no, you're not Ecuadorian though. It's weird because then I'm like. They think I was born in Ecuador, and I wasn't born in Ecuador. If I say I'm Ecuadorian, that's I think that's the main thing. Where they're like, "Oh, I'm Ecuadorian. Oh, you were born there? No, I was actually born in America." And they're like, "Oh, okay." Yeah. You, you see that? It's just so confusing. No, I get for it. Me. I, I, I feel like, like I'm Latina. It's very confusing, like when you go to another country because they see you and like you may not look like the American they pictured in their head. So right, yeah. right away you're like, "Yeah, I'm American." They're looking at you and they're like. Well, you're kind of tan. You look different. You sure? Like, where where are your family from? So I feel like I, I think jumps to for that me, question. like, I still have an issue of identifying. Yeah. Like, I still go through that, and like, um, I've talked about it. Like, growing up, I was like, no, I'm American, American. Then when I got to college, I had like Latin friends for the first time, and I was like, oh, I'm Latina, and now I like to say I, I'm Latina. But I would never growing up say I'm Latina. I'd just be like, oh, I'm yeah. American. That's yeah. funny. It's, it's just, a, and, and it's, I think, where I grew up. If I grew up in the Bronx or in the city where there was more diversity, I think I would have been way more connected to White, my being Ecuadorian. I don't have Ecuadorian friends. Mm, so yeah. for me, I mean, my friends are Puerto Rican or Dominican or um, Costa Rica. But I don't have Ecuadorian friends. I don't have a friend who's Ecuadorian. So I don't really connect to it that much except my family. But we're all here. No, I feel like that's a good point. I feel like it takes time to find a, mm-hmm. find your identity. In yeah. General. I feel like, even me, I feel like I'm still, like, looking for it. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with me, it gets a little difficult because I'm Puerto Rican. And, like, I don't like to not say I'm American because it gets me mad sometimes when people are like, oh, like, why did we have to help? Like, I, okay, I worked for, like, a startup and was very bro-y, um, a tech startup previously. And, like, you know, people make comments because they just don't know. And they'll be like, why do we have to help with Hurricane Maria? That's that's not our problem. Like, you know, that's not an American issue. And I'm like, are you serious? Like, Puerto Ricans are American citizens. So, um, I, th- I think that's why. I know. I, would be, yeah. I feel like if you, if I was Puerto Rican, I'd be less so American than I am now. No, for sure. But then you don't like, want them to think that, like, like, I had someone recently also ask me, like, so my dad was, like, born in Puerto Rico, etc. And yeah. they're like, so he can't vote, right? And I'm what? like, yeah. <laughs> Literally, someone told me that. They were like, so he can't vote, right? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Like, He's an American citizen. It's like, I don't love to use American, but I also don't like pe- when people, you know, assume that, like, we're just, like, this island with no independence and, like, they don't let us do anything, you know? Like, we do get the right to vote. Um, there's a lot of problems going on in Puerto Rico and, you know, being connected to America for sure, but yeah. I just don't like when we're necessarily um, forgotten about. Like, like, it is our duty to help. Puerto Rico when they have a hurricane like that it shouldn't be like a problematic or a conversation like it is our duty they're 
they're a part of us. So yeah. it's very, it can be conflicting. Yeah. It's so hard because, yeah. like, I want them to be recognized as Americans because I the support and all that. Um, but they're treated, they haven't treated Puerto Rico the way they should. So, yeah. like, you know, that's another thing. Like, so yeah. it can get hard. Yeah. There's also a conversation about switching the language um, no longer for Puerto Rico to no longer um, be, you know, primary language Spanish for it to be English. So... This, yeah, I had no idea. Yeah, so that's currently going on right now. That's so it, it's so much. <laughs> it's like we can talk for days about it. No, I know. And I think that the way that you think about um, we should all, we all have a responsibility to Puerto Rico. I feel like that to like all the children of the world. Like mm-hmm. when we talk about yeah. children in cages, I think about that. Like extended to, like my lens is like all of humanity. Like we yeah. have a responsibility to all of humanity. Um, and so, yeah, I think that's where some of the titles and the American connotation for me gets me like, this is the terrible, like the worst example. And also, also American history, history. I mean, yeah. people of color haven't necessarily, you know, we haven't necessarily been able to be Americans, mm-hmm. if that makes any sense, you know, like, I feel like for such a long time, we were labeled as everything but. So it's like it's hard to accept something that basically pushed your people away for literally decades. Yeah. So yeah, that's not so fun either. Yeah. <laughs> As a Dominican going to Mexico City, I would love to know what were the main cultural differences. What was your adjustment like? We just visited, so what we experienced it for a week or two, but actually living there, what was it like day to day? It was so much fun. Oh my God. <laughs> I loved it. I mean, I think showing up, like I was saying, to work was like the sense of okay every day we're gonna work together like we're gonna get through this day together like it's lunchtime we're all going to go to lunch together we're gonna sit around the table and we're gonna talk to each other yeah and And this was was this your first time working with a whole team that was latinos no i worked in brazil okay so i was there shorter time but i was in sao paulo um but was, you've never experienced this in America, working with just a Hispanic team that everyone... No. Yeah. No. Which probably, like, I mean, I was so excited <laughs> for that, yeah. personally, because I was like, this is so amazing, cool. and yeah. I could, and, you know, people work with a lot of the, a lot of clients in the U.S., so everyone's bilingual, but it was like, switching back between English and Spanish, like, at leisure, at work, was like, totally the norm, um... And just being part of, like, the, the um, from a creative perspective, being in Mexico City was just like, this is such a beautiful place. We live in New York City, and even in anywhere, like, extended to the whole U.S., where Mexicans are viewed largely, I mean, people of color in general, but definitely Mexicans are, like, less than, like, you guys are the ones that are, you know, doing all of the, like, heavy labor jobs and they just have the worst rap like I'm the worst what it's insane and so it kills me because like it's, it's funny that other people because growing up I just saw them as so hard working and like yeah. for people to like think less of that I'm like just like like it eats me up because yeah. I'm like are you serious they're the most hard-working people I've ever encountered but even that is like sort of a stereotype of yeah. like of, of what Mexicans are like mm-hmm. this is the silliest very most basic observation but I was just like oh I'm in Mexico for the Mexico for the first time yeah um and people are 
everything. Like that observation is so basic, but I was like, this is it's true because you don't see it as much here. So it is nice, like when you went to the agency and people were marketing jobs and yeah. everyone's Mexican, yeah. they're like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, I would love to know that you said you were using Spanish and English. Was it your first time using Spanish when at, work? at work? Yes. Yeah, was it difficult? Was that a challenge? It was difficult because I don't know all the marketing terminology yeah. in Spanish, but I learned I learned it very quick. Um, and I did use I, I used a little Spanish when I was in Brazil, but um, just because the primary language is Portuguese, and it was the easiest way to communicate with people when they didn't understand what I was saying in English. So. Yeah, and let's talk about that. How was Brazil? How was that experience? Fine. It was really yeah. good. I loved it. It was amazing. <laughs> Again, I'm, I'm like, if I had to like close my eyes and pick a place I would live, yeah. is it's Sao Paulo probably. Um, mm. I loved. Which we like better? I'm like thinking. Like, Rio is beautiful. Or... Like Rio de Janeiro is like yeah. beyond gorgeous. Love it. I would live there too. Um, but it was amazing. Like it's just culturally the diversity there. Next level. Oh yeah. Like it is. I know nothing. I so bet. Please tell me. Very diverse. Um, and I'm sure there's like a Brazilian on the phone. So like, yeah. I, with that obviously comes a lot of like there's there's like African you know Afro Brazilians the way that there's there's also Afro Mexicans, um, but they're there and it's like you feel their presence, mm -hmm. and so I'm sure that there's like and know from learning about it that there's like fr some frictions um strong frictions but in terms of like visually just being there and experiencing yeah. it you cannot not you can't not see it yeah um and it's like new york is obviously a super diverse place but if you i went to boston <laughs> um it depends you where you're at in america yeah it's like you go you're in boston and you're like okay so all the people of color live in the hood <laughs> and all the white people live in the nice parts of town and this is it's kind of still like segregated yeah it's segregated mm -hmm. in brazil in my very short experience there was like you there there everyone's everywhere yeah um and it's beautiful because i have a lot of brands that are u.s based work with like a mexico a mexican agency okay. um and costa rica is big for like development like oh. there's all these there's a lot of stuff in South America and Central America and Latin America in general, um, you know, that touches some of the work that we collectively do. Nice. Um, so just going more into your passion projects, what are you working on right now? What we, I, you, yeah. You've worked on so many things. So what's right, like a priority right now? Or are you working, like, give us the deeds. Yeah, so right now, I mean, I just, today is a good, like, example of, like, running around and doing managing hustles, but um, I most recently I just left the office of Refuse Fascism, um, which is also Chelsea, and it is a, um, like I was mentioning, it's a, an organization that was started to, with the intent of driving Trump and Pence out of office. Very basically, it's saying we want to be rid of fascism in US and we know that it has that has manifestations to other parts of the world but the immediate priority is from day one we were calling it fascism people were very scared of that term and some other people don't really understand 
what fascism means. And so they were like, no, this is not fascism, this is not Nazi Germany. But now you hear all of the connections to what Trump is doing and Nazi Germany from, yeah. you know, their, his control of the free press, calling every, all of the media outlets fake news, to um, literally getting away with so much um, banning Muslims through the travel ban from like very early stages all the way through like, you know, literally. Like I think what he's being impeached for is probably the, like, I mean, it's a big deal <laughs> and he should be impeached. But, um, you know, if you go through the list of crimes that he's committed against humanity, whether those are formally crimes that could be, that he could be indicted for, um, we can't deny that there's a lot. So right now what I'm working on is literally um, like culling down a long list of Trump's crimes against humanity and creating posters in prep for a protest that we have this coming Saturday, so in two days. Um, and the theme of it is uh, basically like there's no, there's no Santa Claus in the sense that there's no savior that's going to take us out of the situation that we're in. We actually need to put our feet in the street and be out there day after day, like really um, working to, you know, push and pop up, like from the ground up, um, you know, uh, fight against what's happening as the crimes happen, but then also like just in general, the whole administration, we know it needs to go. And so, yeah, so I'm working on some posters for that. And the theme is like, we're doing these posters that are like, joy to the world, question mark. And then it's like 80,000 kids in cages. Like, you know, the con some of the contradictions of like, we're celebrating the holidays and it's fun and all of that. And we're all participating in that. But at the same time, let's, let's keep into context or put into context, like there are like literally 80,000 kids in concentration camps that will not have a Merry Christmas, yep. you know? And so, um, yeah, it's a little, it's like a sharp reality and it's hard hitting, but it's something that people cannot turn away from. Like, it's not the time to like flip the channel on your TV. It's not the time to, you know, make pretend it's not happening. I think that the way that people talk about Trump, I'm actually curious about you're comfortable sharing like some of your perspectives because I think that the way that people think about Trump it now that he's been in office for three years is like, oh, he's old news or oh, he's almost yeah. out the door or like he's old news the way that when you flip through your social media feed, you get tired of scroll or you see something and you know, you see it the next day, it's old. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And it's like, this is real world. Like, this is not, you don't get to say this is old news. And I think it's easy for people to not pay attention when it's not affecting them, unfortunately. Like, they're not seeing the bigger picture. They're not, you know, sympathizing with everything that's going on right now. I know, like, um, I'm not exactly sure, but I know I, I quickly skimmed this morning that, like, a little boy died. You know, a 16 or 17-year-old boy just died recently. In and, a concentration camp. Yep, yeah. exactly. And, you know, he was... He had the flu. Yeah. Um, he was sick for a while. For a while. And then it was per personally, so there's a video attached to it, and mm -hmm. I'm very happy there is. I mean, you guys should definitely go look. When I we saw it. When we post this um, video, maybe I'll include it in the link and stuff yeah. so you guys can see. But I saw that, and I literally, like, I'm very sensitive, and, like, I just started crying because I was, like, 
I can't believe that they have this 16, 17 year old boy living that way and he's sick. And yeah. like, they had like, huh? so as blankets, they don't even have blankets. Yeah, aluminum foil. Aluminum foil was how this boy who was sick is, um, you know, sleeping at night. And then, you know, he was partnered with someone, um, I guess like a roommate, who was also sick. And yeah, so you have two sick people, in, you know, two sick kids in a room kids. together. Kids. Yeah. I want to emphasize kids. And, you know, with aluminum foil, keeping them warm at night in like these... Without little, their families. In these yeah. little boxes. And like, it was so disheartening. And I think, um, I think people have to see that. Like, I'm happy that, you know, there's a video of it, there's proof because... Like, I don't want to say that people think this is funny, but I think people think that, like I said, if it's not affecting them, then it's not a priority. So yeah. I think a lot of, like, we just need to be more humane and more sympathetic and just more alert on what's going on there. Even myself, like, I know, like, I get so caught up in my day-to-day, my social life, and, you know, I put all that on high, but I think it's important to see, like, yeah. don't just flip through Trump. Like, actually see, this he's the president of the United States, you know? Like, yeah. the way America acts reflects other countries. Yeah. So, um, you know... And he literally has, yeah. like, his finger on the nuclear trigger. Like, yep. he has, like... It doesn't matter how sensational people make how crazy he is or seemingly crazy or, or, um, you know, oh, he said this tweet or he put out this tweet or that tweet. Like, all of that is, like, sensational. And then there's, like, the reality behind what he's actually driving forward that we need to pay very close attention to. And I think I appreciate you sharing that perspective because I do think that there is something. So people need to see it, and and that's part of what we're trying to do, you know, these protests is people need to see it and they need to confront it and they need to like again not change the channel like it's not the time to turn (laughs) away from it and I think that there's this one poem and I can't remember uh maybe I'll I'll find it but um but there's this quote um from the poem that says like first they came for um like Shit, I'm gonna. Sorry. Um, first, they came for this community, and I wasn't part of that community. So I, you know, then they came for this other community, and then I came. I, you know, I wasn't part of that community, so I did nothing. And then they came for this other community. Basically, like they go down and down and down the list of all the communities, and there was like by the end of it, like there was nobody left to speak up for this for me like I you know and so there's this idea of like yeah like you might not feel like you're being directly affected now there's probably ways to challenge that um that you're not even realizing um but also like you do have a responsibility to people in different communities and that's like I feel like you have a responsibility to human being yeah you know like just like these are your fellow brothers and sisters. Like, we're totally. all sharing this planet together. Like, you should just want to help. Like, you shouldn't want anyone to have proof, you know, cruelty being done to them. So, yeah, I'm so happy you highlighted this. Yeah. No, no, no. I think it's important. And I think to, you know, this thing of side hustles and working and I know our topic is, is really just focused around, like, how do you manage it all? Like, I think a lot of it is really, really figuring out, like, what am I doing? Like, even with the sense thing, like, what kind of questions am I asking to people to really, like, drive to, you know, their purpose and their psyche and really get into what they, how they understand, critically understand the world. I think that's what is most interesting to me about that work. And then same with, like, the political work that I do with Refuse Fascism. But, 
Fashionism.org um, has a sign-up um, form there, so if you're interested in doing anything anywhere in the country, it's a national movement, um, you can get involved, in, and as there are protests, they happen all over the country as well, so there's like contingents all over, so definitely look that up. Um, if you want to like talk to me personally, like I'm online too, so I'm on Instagram at cyber. A-M-A-R-I-S, and then on line, like email, you know, A-M-A-R-I-S dot M-O-D-E-S-T-O Modesto at gmail.com. And um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, I like having conversations with people. I also like collaborating with people, um, building and, and, you know, from a, from a creative perspective, I think it's just, it is important that we lend creativity to some of this as well. <laughs> is there any upcoming insight that we get, any upcoming projects that you're thinking of or something that you haven't started yet but you want to? Lots. I have a lot of things <laughs> that I, I would that like to start to have in. I want to bring in Mascarados to New York. I mentioned some of the challenges with bringing things to the States. Um, but, I'm, but I'm looking for, or actively looking for an opportunity to do that and extend it and build on that work that I did in Mexico City. Um, but yeah, I want to get more into this thing of like what actually drives people to take action. Um, because I do think that there's a big gap here in, I don't know, like I think people don't, sometimes just don't think it's possible here. Or like how do you really yeah, I feel make like change? For me especially, um, I would say my family who's on like the older side, for them it's like, what are we gonna do? Like you're one person. Yeah, come on, Eli like come on, what, what are you gonna do? Like they're not gonna listen to you. So I think oftentimes people just think they're they'll never be heard. Uh -huh. But I mean when you come and join and you're collectively speaking, um, I feel like so many voices are so powerful and even one voice is powerful. I just think people don't think it is. I don't know. What what do you think? I don't know. Yeah. I, I'm trying to figure that out. I'm like I wanna do it a little bit more scientifically mm -hmm. by actually like engaging with people and, and trying to understand. Um, but so will you like work with like a scientist or will you take the um, sample pieces yourself? No, I mean I think probably a little bit of surveying and Got it. like getting some real data mm -hmm. from people about what's preventing them from like being out in the streets and we've done I've done some very like informal surveying of people um, around that question because um, I try to get my friends to come out to yeah. protest and to do stuff and I get all kinds of excuses like yeah what do you get everything like everything from like my cough is acting up to oh my like, God. Um, <laughs> I don't know to like Leave, basically, like, leave it to Jesus to, like, you Yeah, know, we're like, I don't know. Those are, like, probably the two extremes, but, you know, I'm hungover. Oh, like, my God, yeah. literally everything under the sun I've heard before, and I'm like, it is way easier for me to get people to come to, like, my house for a party or, like, yeah. the bar just because, like, I'm having a bad day or... I don't know, a birthday party. Like, literally, I can get, I can rally my friends around any of those things, and I've been having a lot of trouble rallying friends around. Yeah, it can be tough. 
But I mean, I want. I know me, and now I'm interested. I want to join you in one yeah. of the protests. Okay, like, cool. Well, yeah, so you have one. Yeah, so you have one friend. I'll get out there. The only yeah. thing is, like, I get feisty. So like, once I'm like. I'm yes, very, I'm very, that. I'm very calm, and then you put me there, and then I don't know how to shut up. I'm like, you know what? F all you guys, you know. <laughs> and I just get like so much. So I'm like, for me, it's about like calming down and being like, all right, like the sound, you know, stop it. Like that's not <laughs> how you're really gonna get. Into yeah, that's not how you're yeah. gonna get any messaging across. So, I feel um, you though, and when you feel it, you really feel it. Like I remember, I was in um, Ferguson. Um, gosh, how many years ago was that? Now, like three, four years ago. And it seems like it was yesterday. Yeah, after Mike Brown, and it was like it was really intense. Like first of all, before I went down there on the news, it was all about oh, there's um, the police were using like tear gas and all kinds of stuff, you know, against the community. A large, a large part of which were out protesting, but then also people were coming from other places to protest. But they were like using tear gas. There was like oh, oh you know, all this loitering of of you know, um, stores, and it just seems like chaos before I went there. So I was like, what am I getting into? But when you get there and you feel, like, that energy of people, like, in solidarity fighting against, like, the injustice of, like, black and brown young people being murdered, like, by police over and over again, which was, I, I was doing a lot of work around that, um, the, the emotions really take over <laughs> like it is insane so I feel you on getting like really out there because I was feeling several times where I was like okay I am going off I have a good friend Maria who um she actually does this she's actually moving to Miami because um she's gonna basically lead a team because um, the union right now is having a huge problem in the U.S. So they're trying to, like, get rid of union and stuff. And, you know, that's, that's a huge issue because that's where a lot of people get their benefits and stuff. And it's funny because now I'm, like, kind of upset. I feel like one of your friends because she's always texting me, like, hey, let's go here. Let's go you there. Show and up. I'm you just like, know. yeah, and I'm just like, the union, like, I'm like, you know, it's not really connected. Like, you know, it's not really connected to me. So, you know, I'm guilty. Like, I'm not going to sit here and act like, you know, and but that's a problem. I want to change that moving forward. Like, yeah. I feel like. It's funny how I said the union doesn't affect me, but guess what? My father was part of the union my whole life, and that put food on the table. So, like, I'm, I'm thinking about it, and I think it's so easy to think it doesn't affect you when, you know, it does. Maybe it's not as close to home as that situation is with my father being in the union, but, you know, it's still it's, it's affecting everyone. Like, you should just want to be involved, even if it's not directly to you. Yeah. And I'm not saying, like, make it your life. You know, if you do make it your life, that's amazing and that's awesome. But yeah. at least give time when you can. Yeah. If you can go to big. the bars, okay. you can, you know, like. No, it's true. And that's big. And I'll tell you, like, one specific example because I think it's important and relevant to our conversation is this thing of, like, um, contribute what you can. Like, I wish I could be out in the streets and it could be, like, what I did yeah. all the time. Um, I don't. But I do. I'm an artist. So what I think about, like, always, like, okay, so what can I do, right? So these posters are one example, but also when um, around, like, 2014-ish um, and before and after that, when there was, like, just back-to-back-to-back murders of young black, mostly men, um, by police, it was pissing me off. Like, seriously, and I was pissing a lot of people off. But I was like, what can I do? So I made, um, actually had an opportunity to meet a lot of the families of police murder victims, mostly women, um, mothers, daughters, um, sisters, 
you know, and it was really, like, it was hard um, hitting, but it was also, like, I was inspired by their stories, and so I made these little, like, enamel pins, and they were, like, a fist, and they said, like, on, like, a tattooed fist that said, rise up, um, and, you know, there, there were nails in the fist, so you could, so there was, like, a red red nails you know the, the idea was like to represent these women that were left behind you know after their loved ones were murdered by police so i did them as a tribute to the, these families and then the proceeds from the pins went to people on the front lines fighting against mass incarceration police brutality and all of these things like through an organization but it was like this is my contribution like i i can't be out in the streets all the time to the extent that I can I do but here's a piece of art and take this sell it and or we'll sell it together and use the money for people to actually be on the front line and materials and everything else that you needed to you know do the work so there's a lot of different ways you can get involved people do phone banking where they're like calling mm -hmm. you know people to um, you know get them to either either raise funds I think raising funds is a key part of any big like social yeah, movement um, but you can do that from anywhere yeah. you can email people from anywhere so uh, there's a lot of different things and then you also have to know your skills like not everybody's like out on a mic like you know on a soapbox doing a yeah. thing I've recently challenged myself to do a little bit more of that um, so I have done more like mic things on the mic but it's not where I'm like it's not my sweet yeah. spot. It's not where I'm It's nice that you're putting yourself out there, though. Yeah. These That's the other thing. It's like you do have to challenge yourself to do something outside of your comfort zone because not all of it is comfortable. And then not all of it is, like, pretty. So, um, and then, you know, it, it, it works different from the way that we work in, like, a corporate setting and there's a rule, you know, there's there's a way, there's more of, like, a, a I don't have many rules, but, um, you know, there's a way that you do this work. It, it really challenges you to realize, like, it's up to us to figure yeah. out how to make this work and how to take things to the next level and advance the movement. And it takes some creativity, brainstorming, patience, and all of that. <laughs> no, it's true. I'm super impressed by your creativity, and I would have never thought to make a pin or or even just like your Mexico City uh, studio show uh -huh. it's just a gift that yeah, you have yeah creativity is amazing but I yeah. think what stands out to me is your passion yeah thank you it's just um like even just hearing you speak today like um it's just you there's certain things that you say and when you say it I can feel it if that makes any sense and it just shows how passionate you are thank about you. everything that you do yeah no I mean it's it's a journey <laughs> and I think that it, it you know like everybody everybody has their skills um, and I didn't start my journey as a creative person this was something that I developed out of like um, a desire to create something in response to things that were happening in the world I think there's the um, Nina Simone quote that's about um, art is a, re a reflection of the time and I take that quote to heart. Like, I play around and I do art kind of therapeutically as well, um, just because I enjoy it. But when I'm putting out art, it's always a response to something that's happening in the world. And I think that that's important.
different. So I think to the extent that you can find that thing and that purpose that drives you, and it doesn't necessarily always have to manifest in art, um, it, you got to do it. Because yeah. <laughs> you live this life, and yeah. YOLO. <laughs> it's true. So you never know, <laughs> right? I agree. No, I completely agree. You just got to go. You got to get after it. Yeah, you got to do it. You have to do it now. Well, one of um, our favorite questions to ask, well, I guess it's our closing statement, our closing question, is what is one thing that most people don't know about your culture that you would like to share with people or maybe something that, like, people always, like, I don't know, what, what's something they don't know about, you know, you being Dominican? Oh, <laughs> Dominican from New York. I feel like people think they know everything about Dominicans. Yes. <laughs> especially if you live in New York. Um it wasn't the case when I like went to Europe and mm-hmm. visited Spain, um, but it's also similar. Oh when you went to Thailand, she's like, "I'm from Puerto Rico." Like, "Oh, where, where is that?" No, I know the first time somebody asked me no where the was, I was like, "What?" Yeah, I was offended. Let me tell you. So, I mean, <laughs> I think I told. I went to um, no, it wasn't. It was well, it wasn't Thailand, but the story I'm telling her it was about. Um, I went to Portugal. Oh, sorry. And yeah, yeah so I went to Portugal, and um, I told I was like trying to learn. Portuguese so like I asked someone something in like Portuguese yeah. and they were like oh like are you like Brazilian and I was like no 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 I'm Puerto Rican um and then he was like what and I was like Puerto Rico Puerto Rico like Puerto Rico and he's like where is that at and like I was just so like it was the first time ever like, <laughs> I grew up in the Bronx like like in my head I'm like doesn't know you're like, like it's a little island but and then I'm describing it for the first time ever in terms of like where is it located stuff like that and then I'm like well it's, it's located near the US it's in the Caribbean and then like you know I pull up the my phone and I'm like oh my god it's Puerto Rico tiny I'm like zooming in I'm zooming in so much that's probably why he don't know about it like you know and I'm like and I'm that's showing funny. it to him and at that moment I was like oh wow like not everyone knows no knows. Like, that's definitely I definitely have had that feeling before I think that like for me, for like what I would say that people don't know that they should is that we're everything. Like yeah. we're everything, literally everything. And what do you mean of, by that? Let's describe it one more. I mean, everything. We're, uh, we we're everything. I think people like type cast Dominicans is like, oh, you know, really good hairstylist, really good like you know <laughs> um, baseball players, really good. Um, you know, social people and, you know, vibrant people. And that's probably a lot of, like, They're outgoing. Outgoing, like, that kind of thing. And, and sure, there's Dominicans that fill some of those um, or check some of those boxes, but Dominicans are also everything. (laughs) Um, We do everything. We show up in all spaces. We are here. We're out here (laughs) doing it. In, and being, you know, fierce and doing all those things that that make us, you know, a rich culture. And frankly, like, just I love and adore being who I am and where I'm from. I'm so beyond proud to be who I am. But it's also because I appreciate, like, the diversity of who we are. So I really embrace that. And I think that to the extent that we can all embrace that yeah. we'll be even in an even better place. But um, uh, yeah, I think 
That's what I would like to leave us with. <laughs> Dominicans <laughs> are everything. Yeah. Okay? <laughs> don't get it twisted. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening today. Um, don't forget to like and share our content. Also, subscribe. And if you have any feedback, feel free to mention it in our comment section. We love hearing from our listeners. And going on for that, next week is Christmas. Yes. And we have a very special episode mm -hmm. um, for everyone. So maybe if you're like, you know, in between like Christmas brunch and opening gifts and you just want to pop in your ear, we're going to be talking about um, Latinx traditions during the holiday. Yeah, I always find it interesting to find out what other people do during the holidays. And we all have our small little family traditions. So we're going to be chatting yeah. about that. From being Puerto Rican to being Ecuador, let's find out what me and Christina does during the holidays. <laughs> all right, guys. We'll talk to you guys next week. Enjoy. Bye. Bye.